things get pushed into the dark side or the underneath of our consciousness, but then I think a lot of these things come up again in sexual fantasies. I'm even wondering if a foot fetish is common enough to make it not kinky, you know, because it's pretty common. That's all a deviant means, right? But, but now it's taken on this sort of more pejorative meaning where people are like, oh, you're a fucking weirdo, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that means that you're not interested in stuff that everybody else is. Come talk about sex. My name's Maya Billick. You're on Mornings with me and joining me via Zoom, sadly, but we're not going to dwell on it too hard, is Tanya Coons, our resident sexologist, pleasure therapist, expert and wonderful human. Tanya, welcome back. It's been a few weeks. You've had some time off. You ready to rumble? I am ready to rumble. Thanks so much. I've missed coming in. I've I've had a little bit of time off because we had a a death in the family, so a bit of quiet time and a bit of navel gazing, and now I'm ready to come back and talk to everybody about things that are sexy and relationshipy and pleasurable. <laughs> and we, I guess, are holding holding nothing back really this week because I've been teasing that we are going to be talking about foot fetishes. But before we dive into that world, we should probably get a few things out of the way first. What's the difference between a kink and a fetish, Tanya? Ah, that's a good question, actually. I get asked that a lot. A kink is something that arouses us or that we enjoy that's not considered a sexual norm, right? But a fetish, on the other hand, that's a little bit easier to define. If you have a fetish, it means that you find a particular body part, for example, breasts, or an act, for example, smoking, or an object like maybe a bra and panties or nylons, sexually arousing right so body part act or object is going to do something about your arousal and in most cases the person with a fetish can't get sexually excited without the presence of that object or um, act or part yeah does that make sense yes yes um can you give us some examples of kicks maybe there are so many and we could only we could literally be here all day but maybe just a few just a few. All right. Um, spanking, for example. Breath play. So that can commonly look like choking or, um, yeah, choking. Bondage. Rough play. Impact play, which spanking is part of, but that also includes in um, caning, whipping, uh, paddles, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Play, using tens machines or using a violet wand. Age play. People who are into bigs and littles who want to act grown up or act like babies. Uh, latex, leather, nylons exhibitionism, voyeurism, uh, CBT, which is not the psychological terms, it's a crock and bull torture, um, food play, humiliation, wax play, that sort of thing, right? So that those sort of things are kinks because not everybody's into them. Some of them are becoming quite mainstream, I mm-hmm. think, Fifty Shades of Grey and Thanks to things that used to be difficult to come by in terms of information, the internet's kind of blown all of that wide open and people can access information, how-tos, books, porn, movies, all sorts of things, communities uh, on this sort of stuff. So it's a little bit more commonplace than it used to be, but it's not what every single person is into. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, can you give us an example of something that would be a fetish but not a kink? Yes. Okay. Well, a kink tends to be stuff that's outside of a sexual norm. I'm even wondering if a foot fetish is common enough to make it not kinky, you know, because it's pretty common. 
Um, and a fetish, like I said before, it's a body part, an actor, an object. So it's, it's definitely related to a thing, right? So it may be that you get aroused by long fingernails or lingerie. It might be an attraction to a certain body type and that this is kind of polarizing. I don't want to dive into the fetishization of curvy girls or people of color or Asian girls because there's a knife thin line there that can change things from being arousing to objectifying somebody or, or buying into social stereotypes, which is quite harmful. Right? So there's one thing being um, attracted to an aesthetic but there's another thing buying into myths of things like, for example, um, all Asian girls are um, submissive and subservient and they're going to do what you say and be nice little girls. That's completely not true. And what actually, what actually is turning you on about that? Maybe it's not the Asian girl aesthetic, maybe it's submission and you want to have a good look at what it is that's turning you on there. Mm -hmm. um, pregnancy fetish is a good example. You know, there's some people who find... Um, pregnant women super duper duper attractive and arousal mm. right it's it's definitely a thing yeah that's, get rev your engines yeah that's a good point um you mentioned just before that foot fetishes are getting super common or they are super common yeah i guess you could say then that lots of people today do really dip their toe into that world into the world of kink but it's yeah. quite common also to hear you know the word um, foot fetish in the same sentence as perverted because some people might think that you, you feet are gross or disgusting or something it's not necessarily their bag do yeah. you think it's because fetishes are more of a taboo um I I think it's how people view it I'm, I'm just I'm still laughing because it's a dip their toe into foot fetishes <laughs> nicely done, nicely done. Um, <laughs> I think uh, it's it's about yucking people's young, isn't it? You know, a lot of people say your kink is not my kink, but that's okay. Uh, so, and I guess it, fetish is about things that a particular person finds arousing. Kinks are about things that not everybody finds arousing. So there's a there's a really high potential to shame people about what they're interested in. And you know, I think I've said this many times on this show. I have a six word definition of what is normal sex. And that is any sexual act between consenting adults, right? The last two words are the operative one, consenting and adults. Anything goes, really, because we're all erotic snowflakes. We're all very different. We're all into lots of things. We change over our life, and we'll talk to that a little bit. But um, so I think calling someone perverted just means that you are not fitting into the norms, Right. So if you don't fit into the norms, you don't fit into if you're drawing a graph of people's behavior, you've got that bell shaped curve in the middle of where most people fall. And then people who are deviants basically are people who fall within one to three standard deviations outside of that big fat bell shape mm. curve. That's all a deviant means. Right. But at now it's taken on this sort of more pejorative meaning where people are like, oh, you're a fucking weirdo, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it just means that you're not interested in stuff that everybody else is. Mm. So, and I think, why are we judging that? Just because I don't like it doesn't make you sort of weird. There are things that people do and I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that you find that exciting. I just, you know, that wouldn't do anything for me, um, but it does for other folks. Yeah, I guess everyone is different at the end of the day. Absolutely. Like I know, like I, uh, I identify as a sapiosexual and, and a lot of people use that as a very ableist sort of thing. But for me, I literally, I got a letter once from 
uh, a genitourinary surgeon that had so many words of like millions of syllables in it that I was almost sliding off the chair by the end of reading it. Just like, oh, wow. This is like so exciting for me. Whereas other people would be like, what the hell is this letter? You know, mm. I don't even understand what's in it. So why, why are you finding that so exciting? Yeah. I guess that's the thing. So we're all different. Uh, what turns us on? It's, it's, you know, really, we want to find people that are into the same sort of stuff. Yeah. If you're yeah. listening and wondering what is going on, you're on Let's Talk About Sex here on Mornings with me, Maya Billig. I'm joined by Tanya Coons, and this whole uh, segment is all about taking the shame out of sexual health and wellness, and we're talking about kinks and fetishes, and we'll be right back on Let's Talk About Sex to talk about paraphilias. This track, it's called No Cap by Ropswan, needs a language warning, so consider yourself warned. Sawn off shotties, no glocks with beams. Money and power addicted to great before the ice it was only speed. Sydney Music, Arts and Culture 24-7 here on FBI Radio 94.5 FM and Rops One with No Cap is a brilliant example. My name is Maya Bielik, we're on Mornings and this is Let's Talk About Sex and we are chatting about fetishes and kinks and I want to give a shout out to the person on 0409-945-945 who texted in saying frottage is fun, not to be confused with the word fromage, frottage <laughs> is completely different, which leads into what we're going to be talking about now, Tanya, which is paraphilias. What is it? Can you tell us about it? How do they how do they relate to fetishes? Right. Um, I think sexologist John Money, he popularised the term paraphilia. He wanted it to be a non-pejorative name for people with unusual sexual interests. So before the break, we were talking about deviance, right? So sexual deviance. Uh, so the word deviant became um, negative and not so great, when really it just means different and, and outside of the norm. So he used the word paraphilia. Although still today, I think in most circles, the paraphilia is a pejorative word. So a paraphilia is where a fetish turns into a disorder. It's where, and a disorder is something that's causing distress or impairing a person's life in some way. It's usually interfering with a relationship, sleep, health, work, or study. So if there's something not going well there because of your interests or things that are going on, then that's, uh, that's definitely a paraphilia definition. There are some paraphilias that are against the law, things like pedophilia. And just, you know, for interest sake, pedophilia is defined as uh, people interested in children 13 years or under. Hebophilia is uh, people interested in children from 11 to 14 or 15. And infantophilia is children under the age of five, right? So that's illegal. Bestiality is illegal. There's a, a paraphilia called telephone scatologia, which I give talks to people about because they're the people who like to make prank or sexy telephone calls. It's against the law to do that without consent. So there are tons and tons. I think there's 500 and something paraphilias. But some of the ones that we <clears throat> might know are asphyxophilia, so people who get turned on by strangulation. Uh, dacrophilia, being aroused when somebody cries. Uh, coprophilia, people who are turned on by feces, uh, fraternism, when we'll talk about this uh, a little bit later, which is rubbing up against a non-consenting person, 
Uh, mammophilia, it's being obsessed with breasts or mastophacty or mammogynophilia. There's lots of words. Um, and sadism, infecting pain on other people. There are tons and tons and tons. And then there's paraphilic infantilism, like that's the uh, being turned on by acting like a baby yourself. Right. That's a baby type thing. There are so many paraphilias. It's an absolutely unending and fascinating place to dive into if you want to do some research there. Would you send? Would you then say that uh, foot fetishes can be put in the same category as something like autoerotic asphyxiation or fraternism, or do you think not really? Mm. I looked at that question and went, "Ah, oh, yeah, no, they could because they're all kind of things that turn people on." But then I looked a little bit harder and went, "No, actually." Um, they're all kind of kinks, but a paraphilia is where it causes distress to the person with the paraphilia or to other people. So think about it. Fraternism is illegal because it's the basis of rubbing up against somebody for sexual arousal without consent. So it's against the law. That's, that's not okay. It might be a very exciting idea or a fantasy, but it's not with consent. So frataj is our texter said that's good because that's kind of like yeah let's get let's get jiggy and, and sort of dry hump each other and rub each other all over that kind of thing with consent super hot mm. right um auto asphyxiation it's not against the law but it's dangerous right as with many kinks you know bondage needle play hook suspension rope they all come with warnings so i don't really regard it as harmless um, it's not against the law, but I know with auto asphyxiation, sadly, there's a lot of folk who haven't lived to tell the tale when it's gone wrong. So if you're into things like that, that might be considered a bit dangerous, do your research, read up on it, get some learning before trying things and make sure that you have all the safety things in play because all of this information is available online, through kink communities, in books. You can have a session with a sex therapist. Most of us can talk to you about this sort of stuff and how to keep yourself safe without judgment. Hmm. Well, that's a very good point. Definitely, if there's something you're thinking about, definitely go and seek some advice or someone to speak to. Tanya's a brilliant resource. If you need any suggestions, 0409-945-945 is open for her to answer any questions you might have. We know, Tanya, now that a fetish is something that turns us on, which I guess really answers that question of why we think some people might be drawn to foot fetishes. But why do you think it's becoming more and more common? The foot fetish? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just becoming more and more aware, becoming more and more aware of it, right? Um, I think <clears throat> fetishes... Sometimes, sometimes we're born with them, you know, and I'm curious, I'm really interested in how do people get a, a foot fetish. I know about other fetishes. For example, if somebody has a nylon fetish, um, it's quite common for young people to, the first time they masturbate, they might be lying on top of a pile of washing or something like that. So they're getting a texture or a feeling and then that kind of gets imprinted into their arousal. So things like that can happen. Also, really interesting things like uh, little kids that want to play dress-ups. There's, there's often little boys that want to put on dresses because they see that little girls at kindy get called cute and beautiful and that they want to do that too. But then family norms and societal norms say, no, 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 you can't do that. Little boys aren't allowed to wear dresses. So things get pushed into um, the the dark side or the underneath you know uh, of our consciousness but then I think a lot of these things come up again in sexual fantasies mm -hmm. it's really 
really, really, really interesting when that happens. So uh, look at what happens with your psyche um, when you're when things are coming out, or people wanting to be humiliated for things that they like. Uh, because they've felt a shame about the things that they arouse them, then they get turned on by humiliation play. It's kind of a way to give themselves permission. Our brains are fascinating places. I was um, just about to say. <laughs> the things that we can do to kind of make something okay within ourselves. You know, I get spoken to a lot about rape fantasies. A lot of people have that. And there is the, there's some kink play that's consensual non-consent. So it is negotiated but it's basically acting out a rape fantasy. Now, I haven't met anyone ever who really truly would like to be raped. However, in people's minds, um, giving themselves over or having themselves taken can be a way to allow themselves to be sexual in ways that they had never thought about. So I think our brains are fascinating places and how they work out for ways for us to get what we think we want or the things that turn us on can also be driving um, kinks and uh, paraphilias. Yeah. We'll be right back on Let's Talk About Sex. We're going to dip into a track by Shy Girl. I think very fitting. Brand new one featuring Slow Tie. This needs a language warning. It's BDE. On FBI Radio, this is Let's Talk About Sex. Shy Girl and Slow Tie right there on BDE. Brand new music from the two of them who share this new collaborative single after two mammoth works of their own um, being their respective bodies of work. We are on Let's Talk About Sex, though, here on Mornings with me, Maya Billick, and I'm joined by Tanya Coons, and we've been chatting fetishes, kinks, paraphilias, but now we are going to chat more about why some people might have a proclivity to fetishes. Tanya, do you think that some people might be more inclined than others? Do you think it's necessarily something that a person is born with or develops as they get older? What might cause someone to develop a fetish? Yeah, well, we, thanks, Maya. We talked a little bit before the break about how fetishes can happen when people are growing up and having things imprinted on their sexuality. But things that happen in life can also help us uh, develop fetishes so we're constantly changing and evolving as human beings so that also means our sexuality will I've had clients for example who suffered sexual abuse at the hands of clergy and they were quite distressed that, about the fact that they enjoyed it at the time and they were made to feel special and they felt pleasure and arousal so later they developed some fetishes such as spanking like being punished for their enjoyment of past activities or humiliation play or consensual non-consent play or adult babies, all different people with different ideas, but many different ways of processing and expressing things while still keeping control over their sex life because they'd had some non-consensual things happen. So, and, you know, I remember, um, I remember when I started off in sex therapy, just attending kink events and workshops and being really surprised by the large numbers of middle-aged folks who were experimenting in these worlds and finding stuff that they liked and enjoyed. So again, they were at a stage of life where they were done with the bulk load of child raising, or they might've been out of a major relationship and trying something new. And they found themselves in this whole new world of sexual activities and experiences and developed their own set of fetishes or choices or things that they wanna do. So I think constantly evolving, it's never too late. 
Uh, and don't be surprised if suddenly something out of the blue starts turning you on that you're like, wow, I never thought this would happen. Do you think then that some people don't realise that they do have a proclivity to a fetish, but are just like bringing it down to thinking about some super common ones, like foot fetishes, for example? Yeah, 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 I do. I mean, and I also meet lots of couples where it's a bit of a problem where one thing was like, yes, I'll be happy to dress up like a little girl and call you daddy. Uh, that's really great for a little while, but uh, 10 years later, if that's necessary for arousal, some people are like, I really don't want to dress up like a school kid anymore, or, you know, they're, they're tired of it. So one partner might be like, I really, really need this for arousal. And the other's like, do we have to go through all of this? I would like to try some different things or my arousal has changed. Yep. So I think you've got to, that, that's when you get into the paraphilia zone where it's absolutely, I've got to have this and I can't, can't arouse. Right? So we've got to look at that because that's where it's problematic. And I'd be looking at uh, encouraging people to find other ways and other things that can help them arouse, you know, such so as sort of wean them off. We must have this. Otherwise, it's not going to be sexy for me. Mm. I can see in your notes uh, something about parallelism, which I think I've seen the same program about that woman who married the Eiffel Tower. Yes, that's partialism. I made a mistake then, my typing. But yes, it's where a person is attracted to objects or parts of the body. So yes, there was a person there who wanted to marry the Eiffel Tower. Uh, and there was another person who had sex with fair show rides, like literally got underneath um, the Ferris wheel into the machinery and got all the grime and grit and smeared it all over their body and dry humped machinery, basically. And I was like, wow, okay. And that was their thing, right? That's their, I would say, paraphilia mm. because it seems a little unusual or their fetish. So I think, you know, lots of different things can turn people on. There's a rise of ecosexualism right now, which is um, people wanting to have sex with the planet. And I think that that's a wonderful thing and getting out into nature can be really arousing. I know Annie Sprinkle, who is one of the people who writes extensively and has studied about this, who used to be a porn star in the 70s, wants to come out to Australia and marry the Great Barrier Reef. Right? So it's as much a statement as a thing, but uh, there are a lot of people that are getting aroused and turned on by many, many different things. It's not just about the genitals, I think. You know, you can broaden your experiences and definitions of arousal and uh, a lot more worlds will open up to you. Yeah, I only brought it up because if there's one thing we'd hope you take away from today, it's that there are mainstream fetishes and non-mainstream fetishes and if you're thinking maybe there's something you might want to be experimenting with do some research do some experimentation consensually um, because you might find something that you didn't necessarily think was your bag or something that you were interested in and that there's so much more that you might not have ever considered would be your I guess fetish yeah yeah, it's about what's possible, I guess. Yeah, and I think so many people don't try new things for fear of shame and fear of stigma. So you just don't want to yuck people's yum, basically. Mm. That's my kink is not your kink, but that's okay kind of attitude. People are into different things. What's really hot for some people is really revolting for other people. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It just makes it that's not my bag. No, that's right. Everyone's different. What you yeah. might like, the next person might not like. So communication and consent is key in those departments. Mm. Now, and somebody's coming to you with ideas to try that you might think are a bit weird, ask questions and listen. 
don't sort of go, oh my God, you're a freaking weirdo. Just be like, wow, okay, so how does that work for you? And how do you think it might work for us? And what does that involve? And would it be okay if I'm not as excited about that as you are? And can you tell me some more? That sort of thing. There you go. If there's any hack I've picked up from spending time with you, Tanya, on Let's Talk About Sex, is it's just that communication with your partner is super important and will pay you back in dividends plus consent is key. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for, it's been so good to have you back. (laughs) It's been lovely to be back. My absolute pleasure. You can listen back to Let's Talk About Sex wherever you grab your podcast from. Just look up FBI Radio and we'll be right there with you. Tanya, it's been a pleasure as always. We will see you in about a fortnight. (laughs) Yes, you will indeed. 